I thank you for calling it the creator's world. We're just living in it. We strive to help people just like you navigate these exciting times to hear the latest episode of It's a Creator's World and we just living in it. Press 10,000. What, what have you been reading? You've been reading creator economy stuff. Yeah. Okay. I was reading, yeah, I was reading about the creator economy, which isn't a new concept. It's just something that developed around like the 2008, 2010 mark that has slowly been building on it on itself. And I've just been reading about the evolution of just the creator and how it started off as like bloggers and like um, like WordPress bloggers. Mm. And then that sort of evolved into influencers. And then influencers are now, you know, that's sort of a dying concept because of influencer fatigue and it's moved into creators. And I guess the creator, the creator economy is essentially social media and people like monetizing their ability, their ability to entertain. Right. And how it's moved away just from like, um, traditional media and it's really like in the hands of like the everyday person and that's where people are flocking for their entertainment so on like after work I'll scroll through TikTok mm. like rather than sitting down in front of the TV or I mean I'll do both but sometimes at the same time <laughs> yeah two screens three screens with the watch as well laptop TikTok on the watch. emails <laughs> yeah. emails TikTok right. TV right right yeah so um yeah I've just been reading about how it's really in the hands of the creator and um, people are either running with their entertainment mm. and running with that full steam ahead, um, Charlie D'Amelio style, or they are monetizing or picking up on their craft and turning that into a fully-fledged business. Is this the best time in history for a creator to effectively be the master of their own domain or monetize You know what they do? Like if I think about, you know, say like artists mm. you know hundreds of years ago you take composers like they were no one was really monetizing their work effectively right like it is all like posthumous mm. wealth that is generated and then throughout you know if you, if you look at the music industry maybe in the 80s and the 90s it's like the artists like some artists i think the music industry in general like some artists were obviously crushing it they'll mm. always be that like top one percent but having that filtered down to like essentially the like folk creators who are the ones at home just like you know mm. with their hands and an idea it's yeah. like the democratization of i think it started like democratization of tools mm. and then the ability to build community around the thing that you create so the democratization of the ownership of community mm. because like previously the community was owned by whoever was distributing the work exactly. and the creator just created the thing and yeah. then gave it to someone who produced it uh yeah um like essentially mass produced it distributed it, mm. and then they captured all the value uh even though the creator is capture is creating most of that value it's yeah it was almost in reverse where you had your talent and you had your craft and you just didn't know how to get it out there and you had to form connections like the old school way whereas now i feel like people jump onto a platform and mm. then figure out the craft afterwards right it's like people's skill nowadays is being able to talk to a mass audience and then it sort of evolves from there i know a lot of people sort of work in reverse mm. But I feel like right now, essentially, it's the creator's world and we're just living in it massively. I, I, no, I, I think that's right. And yeah. literally, we are living in multiple creator communities all day, mm. every day. You know, we were talking earlier about um, kind of a shift in uh, like stand-up comedy where uh, 
you know, in say the nineties, you would get one of the best comedians in the world, Jerry Seinfeld. And he, the pinnacle for him is he gets offered a show and yeah, he like makes tons of money off it, but mm. the, uh, he doesn't own that community. Like NBC owns the network mm. and then they own the show and he creates it and they are the gatekeepers of, you know, what gets put to that community really. Um, and then, you know, Jerry understands his popularity through some abstracted, uh, like ratings values or something like that. But now you can get a stand up, create, some, create a podcast, put it live, build the community, mm. communicate, like own that community, be a part of it, be in it and of it. Like, I think that's super, super interesting. It's built from the ground up. I mean, that's how I started it. It was no knowledge whatsoever. It was just delving into something that I found remotely passionate. That's delving into something that I was remotely passionate about and then Mm. building and crafting that skill over a certain period of time um, until I finally had a hold on a community or I finally had an understanding of who my audience was and like who I was speaking to. Um, And it's funny, like, I started this in uni and it was all fun and games and I was just kind of doing makeup casually and putting on the internet because I'd create these looks and, um, you know, I got a good response from it, but I had no idea where it was going to go. And I didn't really believe that this was going to be a business at all. It was all, I don't know, I feel like you're just trained into thinking that creating content like on the, on the internet won't be a real job. Like that was back in like, mm the 2012 mark I was like this can't be a real job I've been told my whole life like all through school that that like there's like five options for a career and so I took that um and just did it for myself until I realized that I was speaking to a lot of people Mm. and I wanted to do more with it and I wanted to capitalize on my I guess like the voice that I had created in as like a South Asian woman creating makeup and expressing herself and like diverting away from like traditional career routes Mm. and yeah, it, it's sort of like an evolving. It's like a yeah, it's evolved from a passion project to a fully fledged like business and audience that I'm talking to, and I feel like you learn on the go. Like with back in the days, like you had your craft and that was what you had, and you had people like you were saying producers to help bring it to life. But the whole time, it's just you trying to bring this to life and learning. And you know, it feels very closed off sometimes as a creator because you can't really lean on other people, and so you're just taught to do it yourself all the way through and I feel like that's why it's feels so close-knit that's why we feel like we're closer to our audience because it's just us and 300,000 people right and I think this is better this is it's better that you have that toolkit to understand not just your craft but the distribution strategies Mm. for that craft and then the communication tools that you have to communicate with that Mm. audience that forms around it like I think traditionally brands have been uh, they've been uh, monologues, right? It's it's like I'm a brand and I have a voice and I will speak at people mm-hmm. and some people will listen. Mm-hmm. And that cut it up until we had social tools where people could start to communicate back. And it honestly started with reviews, like online reviews. Mm-hmm. It was all of a sudden people were getting feedback on products and it's like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... I've got to listen to this. Right, right. Like it's funny because in the in obviously like 60s, 70s, 80s, they did focus groups, which is like now widely considered you just don't do focus groups because mm-hmm. it's just not how can people shop, mm-hmm. right? Like the the joke is that they're never focused and rarely in groups. So it's like, you know, this is not mimicking some real life scenario. It's just asking people for an opinion. And if you ask anyone for an opinion, 
you are going to get an opinion, <laughs> you know, whether or not they've got skin in the game or interested or, or not. But mm. now all of a sudden you, a brand is a conversation and that it, it's really interesting. It's really kind of destabilized the, uh, I guess the world of let's say organizations, because if you think about like a religion as a brand or a mm. um, sports team as a brand or a government as a brand, it's like an idea and a group of people ritualizing around the idea, mm. um, you know, a community. Um, I think that those institutions didn't don't know how to handle the level of back and forth communication that exists right now. But someone like you, Roey, who've just come up and this is your native state like mm. it's the natural state to be and it's also interesting because it's the state that mimics relation like real world relationships mm. right it's like i've got a friend and i can have a conversation with that friend and that friend will give me feedback straight away mm. on who i am and how i am and you know i'll course correct like that's how brands need to operate now and creators are perfectly suited to navigate that world way more than like institutional brands or anything like it's that. it's just intimate it's just um even just thinking about the concept of DMs. It's direct communication with a follower from anywhere in the world. You're hearing it straight from the horse's mouth. And I think with brands, it filters down. You have someone feeding back into what, like a social media um, manager who's feeding into like a direct manager to the brand manager to the CEO, it gets lost in communication. And I think it's hard to have that like ear to the ground when you've got sort of a massive brand that has built their I like their whole mission on what they believe in rather than what a certain group of people believe in so right. yeah it's interesting I can it's interesting because not everyone is going to respond in the way that I hope to respond to my audience I mean people can take it personally and mm. people won't listen at all um, so I think that's I feel like that's the the distinction between influencer and creator there's a massive distinction. So we were talking about this before. It's like a really, uh, I, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this. Yeah. There's also a latency within brands for that communication. Like that string of communication takes time and you miss your opportunity to engage in that conversation, right? It's mm. like having a conversation with a person and them asking you a question and then being like, let me get back to let you. Let me get back to you, you in know? five to seven business yeah, days. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Where, where, you know, where is the... Uh, just like the organic flow of, uh, of relationship building, right? Because ultimately that's what it is. Like you could have that's a relationship it. with a brand in the past. Mm. Um, it was like a, not a great relationship, but now you have a choice of mm. having a relationship with the brand or a relationship with a person that is a brand or creator that is a brand. Mm. And it's like, yeah, I'd probably take the one where I can DM the creator and they can DM me right back, you know, straight away. Mm. Uh, like what a great direct line. And it's so fucking exciting for a an individual to be able to do that as well oh i remember the first time i messaged like a influencer like back in 2013 um and i think this influencer had maybe like 200,000 followers and i was not an influencer at the time so do you know who it was oh god some uk influencer who now i look back i'm like <laughs> cool <laughs> like um oh, I, I like that's funny I can't even remember the name her name's Sarah something um but she's kind of like a UK fast fashion influencer mm -hmm. um and I had messaged her being like oh, I love your jeans where'd you get them from and she responded and I was like oh my god she responded yeah. back to me I didn't think that was gonna happen <laughs> like that little moment of excitement where you're like wow okay um a communication has formed with someone of authority that I didn't think was going to happen. Right. And then 
I started watching her content a little bit more because she had that response with me. And so I was, suddenly I was interested a little bit more. Mm. I was paid, someone paid attention to me, I guess. And I was like, oh, people are listening, right. responding back to me. Yeah. I want to find out a bit more about like what they're doing and what they yeah. have to say. Yeah. It's, that's how I guess it started. Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. So like create an influencer definition, right? So interesting. Mm. Like they yeah. overlap, but yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, okay what give us the definition because people would call you both like someone would say you're an influencer and someone would say you're a creator yes it's so funny when someone calls me an influencer i'm like oh like i don't want to hear that right which i think every influencer doesn't want to be called an influencer it's just it's just a bit overused and i think it just had it just has so many negative connotations because i think the way it's presented in the media as just like someone who's self-serving um and just a personality and there's nothing there and they just got famous from their looks or something rather but i feel like an influencer um has the power to influence people's like purchasing habits um and beyond but i think with a creator it's more focused on their craft and right. they're influencing through a craft through a passion project through something that is driving them to stay on the platform in the first place so they're sort of not um just existing and showcasing their whole life on the internet with well, some people are right i think creators more have like they're a makeup artist or they are a textiles designer or they dabble in home decor and they are putting that content out and people are starting to tune in because they align with the same interests and they 100% have like overlaps because some massive influencers have you know a fashion brand but what came first right well I I I feel like the there's also this cringe thing right of like some like an influencer calling themselves an influencer, like it's the first thing you see in their Instagram bio. I'm an influencer. Or like when... public figure. Right, right, right. <laughs> You're like, oh. Right, when when they're you know uh, I don't know like a political fanatic calling themselves an influencer, or mm. I think if you're claiming it, then that maybe there's like some I don't know. You kind of miss the point of of what it is, right? Hundred percent. It's like, yeah. oh well, like yeah, cool. You've got you know. 800,000 followers, but really it's like, if you look at the audience, it's like, what purchasing can you drive? You know, like mm. you, you could sell, you, you, if you, you look at your audience and it's not related to who you are as a person, it's, it's, it's not the conversation that you, you are trying to have as a creator. You know, you're not embedded in that community. You are like an entertainer for that community, but yeah. it's not, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like it's the same relationship with the community. It's just a numbers game in the end. Like, I think that's how, I think that's when the influencer industry started to quote unquote die off or mm. started, it, we started to get influencer fatigue because people were just chasing numbers right. no matter what. So they right, were buying right. followers. Um, they were like shamelessly self-promoting themselves on whatever platform and mm -hmm. it became more about collecting numbers or trying to reach a certain number right. and that's what brands were looking to at one point right 100 they right. were like a million followers amazing yes. wow that yeah. must get us x return until it didn't <laughs> yeah yeah and i think yeah. that's interesting as well because you know i think chasing i think there's probably a difference in motivation as well like it, maybe we can say that like an influencer is chasing the brand partnership like they exist to form the brand partnership to get the clothes, to get the you know endorsement deal, to get the money for the post. Whereas like I get the impression that most creators would be creating, at, you know, no matter what, mm. no matter what audience they had around them, and they're not looking for those things necessarily. Mm. Not that it's a dirty thing to look mm. for them, but it's like 
well, I'm here, I'm creating something and it just happens to, you know, like tap into the zeitgeist or it happens to be a part of a relevant conversation. And so that, and I think that's also when you start to see communities really expand quickly, mm -hmm. right? It's like, every now and then you see something and you're like, like, you know, for me, and this is where I will just like feel really old and out of touch. And I'll be like, you know, see a community explode around a particular person or whatever. And I'll be like, wow, I really don't understand. I don't get it. I'm not, I'm not a part of that community at all. Like how does that community form? Which is so interesting. I think that's where it comes back to the creator's economy because there are so many different pockets, different little communities right. that we won't understand. Like that YouTuber who's like a nine year old kid like Ryan and he just reviews toys and he has right, like 26 right. million that. subscribers. Like yeah. so cute. Yeah. But I mean, amazing. <laughs> yeah, Not yeah, for yeah. me, but I think that's the whole economy of yes. it all. Well, the internet supports niches. Like that's like this fundamental thing that if you want, like you want to trace it back right to the start mm. of the technology that allows everything like this podcast, like everything, you know, we do to exist is like the internet allows it removes geography from the equation mm. and so you know you always like you, it, it's interesting to like bring it back down i guess to just human behavior and psychology it's like it's your first day of uni and you're all of a sudden not with your school friends you don't have the people around you that you're used to and you look up and you're looking for people within your geography who look like you mm. who sound like you and you form like your subculture but it like geography drove that and you would go to a location you know an event that like-minded people would be at just to find your in-group just yeah. to be a part of that but now you have dispersed uh, decentralized in-groups where you can get on, you know, a subreddit for whatever yeah, weird, yeah, yeah, weird niche you want and be in a community of millions of people who yeah. are all having a conversation about the same thing. I think the really interesting thing, like out of that, um, that like online generation of community is still the need to be with people. Yeah. And so like you see that with you know, hype beast culture or, you know, you see that with people lining up for the uh, the new iPhone or a new piece of tech or new new sneaker. It's like, okay, this is a community that is always online mm. and they never congregate. And then all of a sudden, you know, you walk past a, you know, like sneaker boy or whatever and there's a lion out front and it's like 10 o'clock at night and they're lining up till the next day. And mm. it's, it's not to get the sneaker. Like the sneaker is important, but the community is more important. It's to be around each other, to be a part of the in-group. You know, mm. I think that's, it's just super interesting that like our human behavior just like mimics itself everywhere. I've definitely like, I was in LA and um, people were lining, out, lining up outside the Supreme store and I just joined the line. I was like, what's happening here? Right. Like, I just wanted to know what was happening. Right. And like, um, yeah, I think that's, that's how it works. It, it creates hype around like a certain niche. And once it becomes, I don't know, like once it comes offline, mm. once it's in store, it's just so much more exciting because right. it's, it's less, I don't know, it. Yeah, it's it's less um, tangible when it's mm, mm. just you know in these little internet communities, but then totally. it's there, and I you feel like you're a part of something. Yeah, and what were you lining up for? Like a supreme branded hockey stick? No, nothing. It actually was nothing. Right. It was just like the latest drop that they had, and everything right. was overpriced, and like, <laughs> yeah, like I get it, but Fun I don't though. get it. But <laughs> like, <laughs> so I got there, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, <laughs> just walked straight out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, that community in particular, so people would go in and purchase things and then they would come straight out and there'd be someone standing next to them and they'd resell it for like double or triple the price. So that's mm. that community that they've created and then they'll keep flocking to right. because it's, it actually serves them a purpose and there's an, incent an incentive there. So, mm -mm -mm. yeah. 
I have a, I'm, I'm curious, I was thinking about this as we were kind of preparing for this mm. podcast, like how, how a part of your community do you feel? I'm, I mean, I feel like I, I'm at the center of it, but there are times, so I feel like there are times where I feel it wavering. So if I'm not online enough or if I have, haven't posted a couple of stories or I haven't posted in a while, I feel like a, a disconnect because I'm not physically there. Mm. I'm not physically there in people's story tra- stories trays. I'm not there in the feed. So I do need to keep up like my content in order to have that conversation Mm. so um i think it's it's funny because i could talk about a beauty product and i'll have a bit of engagement but then i could talk about something i was mentioning to you something so light and Mm -hmm. silly as in like a a random poll about like would you rather have no lashes or no brows and Mm. people check in though what's what's the answer the the answer was no no what's your answer oh my answer yeah would i rather have i would rather have no brows Mm. Lashes protect you from dirt and other. Oh, it's things. pure. It's a functional thing. And this, also, you're, I guess... you're like you're, you're all about the fun- <laughs> all function on this one. No, it's a fa- it's for fashion too. Like, right. You could shave my eyebrows. And I'm like, yes, let's yes. do it. Well, it was a look, right? It's a look. Yeah, it's yeah, a whole yeah, look. yeah, yeah. Um, but it, people get heated and about that discussion, and it was interesting. And and you could just and... get fake mustaches and. Put them. Oh, exactly. You could stick on anything. You could create like a jeweled brow. Why not? Right. Rowy Singh. <laughs> <laughs> Rowy Singh, TM. <laughs> Copyright. Um, so, and then it, then it becomes less about me feeling like I need to have a voice. Like, mm. oh, God, I should probably talk about some of my, like, favorite concealers because I haven't done something beauty-focused in a while. I don't feel that pressure. I can jump on and talk about anything and people will engage. Mm. And I think that'll just have a flow-on effect. And then then I've got more people conversing in, in my comment section mm. and um, – and then people are listening. And so if right. I did want to speak to a particular beauty product, people are already there. Yeah. So it's so – it doesn't have to be these deep, intricate conversations right. that we are forcing to build with our audience, right. which sometimes is, that's what it feels like with brands. Mm. It's kind of like a forced conversation mm. about their product that nobody wants to have. Mm. And that's where I that's where I sort of steer away from. I try sure. to have those like loose conversations that – can be about nothing or they can be really politically heavy sure, sure. and people will weigh in either way and that's the community that i'm building do you regardless of beauty right i assume you have like uh super users in your community super like, fans yeah yeah super fans super stands 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 stan culture is um culty yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary so i feel like i have people um i mean i'll recognize those usernames that'll keep right. popping up it's right. the same people and I could look. I could go into one of my followers, and we could scroll up, and the conversation would just keep going because they'll keep responding to my stories, and I'll respond back, and right. we'll have like fun in conversations with a complete stra- stranger right. from like right. Brazil or like somewhere in the world. Um, and those people that keep coming up and those usernames I recognize are hundred percent my super fans. Mm. It's such a it's weird to call it that, but I guess people that I'm you know used to conversing with. Right. Um, and those are the people when I drop something exciting or if I have an announcement, they're first in line. Right. They're like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Yes. Those are the people essentially that I'm speaking to because I read something online about you could have like 1,000, you don't need a million followers. A thousand or true fans. A thousand true fans, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so in the end, um, 
it's it, yeah it's not about talking to a mass group of people it's about mm. creating those small little trivial or you know heavy conversations with people that are that show up right day in day out and this is also something like talk like talking about creative creators of the new brands that a brand can can never have they can never have the whim, on a whim conversation yeah everything has to be approved so you can't be like oh i'll just have like a, a casual conversation right i think the only place that i have seen it and people have actually commented on the tone of voice is brands like fenty beauty mm. but their tone of voice is it actually sometimes it sounds like rihanna's responding directly back to the audience and i think mm. that's what they like right because right. they have their that's idol and they feel like it's that that's her brand and even though it's a, like a whole team of brand managers their tone of voice is so on point yes. and so conversational right. and kind of funny at times and then they're, they're memeing it's mm. like a brand mm. that is memeing constantly yes and people like people will comment on it and say oh best like best Insta account, like brand Insta account, like I love the way they respond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then when I, I just did like a bit of like research, I was looking into one of like Fenty Beauty's most recent posts and they're dropping a new product. And it was just um, beautiful, like visuals of just source dripping, like different sources. Mm. And they just said something's coming. And then the comments are just like, they're engaged. They're just, oh, I can't wait to see what this is. Like, take my money right now. I don't care what it is, right. but like, I need it. If it's Fenty Beauty, I have to have it. And right. so it has this flow on effect that yes. when they release a product, they're there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think there's like, a, there's an interesting moment, right? Where like, I mean, because of the culture that we live in, this like culture of consumerism, like we represent ourselves through brands, right? And mm. like, I'm not ashamed to say it and I don't think it makes you any less of course. like it, it, yeah. it's a it's a real expression of who you are like I wear a specific like I wear velvet sheen t-shirts and come to us on pants and mm. like I forms a vision of myself that I'm proud to represent in the world yeah it's just a visual extension of your identity right and I think yeah that that it's just it's just a visual way of communicating right right so. which is which is really interesting when you uh, have that deep relationship with the community because you allow people to represent themselves through say like the Rowie Singh brand mm. and form a part of their identity. It's so, it's just, I think it's really, yeah, it's really interesting. And yeah. this again, like it makes so much sense with this idea of creators of the new brands because it's like, yeah, now it's not just some like piece of drip that I have that makes me feel a certain way. It's like this drip represents a relationship mm. that I have with this person. It's, it's an experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, when a brand is creating product, they are desperate to, to understand what that community wants and needs, you know, it's like, mm. and they'll do whatever to try to understand, but, and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of investment and, you know, it's like out there trying to have conversations, whereas you know, creators are so advantaged in that they are a part of their community. And I think as well, we have the opportunity to, um, whilst we're responding and listening to our audience, um, it's it's almost on a subconscious level. We're not really like, it's not like I go onto my Instagram and I'm like, okay, what are people saying today? What mm -hmm. are they telling me? Like, how am I going to use that for my Except brand? Except the eyebrows and the lashes. Exactly yeah, that. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, okay, got it. Shave off my eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, prosthetic eyebrows. We're always seeing prosthetic eyebrows. Look. Yeah. <laughs> I literally sat in the mirror being like, will this work? <laughs> um, so it's just, you pick up on small things um, that, people so for example if I'm using a product that I love and then people are like okay I, I used it but it did this like it was a bit too watery how do I get this to last mm. how do I pull the pigment out start suddenly you start to you start to listen to where people um 
I guess not not where people want improvements, but what questions people are having mm. and how you can sort of subconsciously solve that yourself with whatever you want to produce. So, mm. um, for example, like I've had people being like, you need to do a masterclass. Like you need to do, I want to like, I want to learn from you. Um, but then I've had other people being like, oh, masterclasses are so boring. Like you just sit there right. watching someone do their makeup and then I try to do it myself and it's a disaster. Yes. So then listening to both aspects of that and then trying to cross it over and, and me trying to figure out how can I sort of create like a happy middle um, or, or sort of slot into a gap. I think that's the creator advantage because right. especially in beauty, it is saturated. Right, right. It's heavily saturated yeah. and everyone is doing something like with niches. That's the beauty of the niche because it, kind of already exists like if you want something it kind of it's already there and someone's gonna already be doing it but i think the creator advantage is that you're listening to a very like niche audience yourself and Mm. you can kind of respond to that in in a right way and i feel like that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to see where the gaps are and what i can do to help my community right the masterclass is like one of those things where you might watch it and be like wow that's really interesting i'm probably never going to do that though you know whereas like you can help them get part of the way there or engage with your brand in other ways by mm. yeah maybe creating physical things for them yeah, or yeah exactly. i think that it's harder to do but i think that yeah i mean like it's some, something that we try to do is kind of in the same way that youtube or um like instagram has democratized the tools of creation we are also trying to democratize the tool of creating products mm. to make it easy for brands to go okay well i don't have to do a masterclass right now mm. like that's this democratized creator tool that i have access to it's like oh, okay we can create you know whatever we want now like whatever physical product we want i think is like it's kind of interesting yeah yeah i mean i mean like i think it's interesting in that to where where influencers just like really miss the mark yeah on yeah. <laughs> no yeah because yeah, like you talk about being tapped into your community and i often wonder that you know where an influencer or a creator like drops a product and it's like well you should know your community better than this mm. like you really should be tapped into this like what happened here did someone encourage you to do this like where where is this decision making process mm. i always laugh at decision making processes for products that come to market because it's like wow the amount of people that had to think about this and okay like i think jelly babies are hilarious because it's like they had to come up with like a new name a new shape for a, like a candy mm. and they were like let's make one in the shape of babies and it's like okay someone had the idea but yeah. then someone had to pitch the idea mm. like let's like a whole bag full of babies and you're going to eat them and then someone had to sit across and be like that is a great idea you know and then it went through like a full series of approvals and then all of a sudden it's like someone made the mold of a little baby and then they you know they create these like little baby candy and then all of a sudden it's like yeah jelly babies no one questions it but it's weird to have a like a a candy in the shape of a baby yeah like bags and bags of babies and everyone's eating them all the time (laughs) you know but like I, i always find that so interesting uh when yeah someone releases a product and you're like wow the decision to get there like it and it can work in an incredible way, but also in a really dangerous way where someone will create a product and you're like, wow, that went through how many lines of like approvals? Yes. How did that get approved? Right. Or like not even just a product, just a, um, I don't know, like a marketing campaign that's right. offensive or controversial. It's right. like not one person put their hand up and said, this right. might not be a good idea. Right. Um, like uh, with the Pepsi. Uh... Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like maybe not one person. Yes. Um, and I think that just comes back to people weren't really listening um and it just was like a team of like higher ups that made these decisions and i think yeah it it just kind of kept going but 
um, you could, I think some people can listen to their audience and feel like they have a good grasp mm. on the audience and then create something and it misses the mark. Right. But that's fine. I think it's just like, it, it, it keeps going. It doesn't stop there. Correct, correct. Yeah. So if it misses the mark, then why did it miss the mark? And mm. then you kind of keep responding. And I think that pushing forward is is sort of where the nuggets of the, right. those gold nuggets are. And it's so interesting, right? Because inherently as a creator, you do that with your content. It's like you create something and then you see the response to it and that's the conversation. Oh, but, 100%. But I, yeah. I'm sure that like a lot of creators that release product don't think about their product in the same way. And maybe it's because they it's like a licensing deal or a collaborate, like maybe it's in the structure of the business where they don't actually have that much say over the product. Mm. But like, that's how creators should treat their product as well. It's like, okay, I'm going to do like a short yeah. run, limited release, and I'm going to listen. And yes. then I'm going to respond. And, and it's funny, because this is what the tech industry does really well is like, they create a feature, and then they take a small subset of users, and they give only those users that feature, and they listen. And mm. they pay attention to how that thing is being used and what people are saying about it. It's not a focus group. It's like, okay, this product is now in the wild mm. and we are trying to learn and understand and be a part of that. Like, I mean, the, all the tech products we use are a conversation with us all the time. Mm. And I think it's a funny one because people don't think about it like that. But I think creators can do that with their physical product as well because they have that relationship. And I think... The I think the downfall, I think where people stumble um, because I think it's all well and good to be like, all right, for example, if I'm creating a look and I create a look and I'm like, all right, this is this is the idea I have. I, I want to use these colors because X, Y, and Z is trending right now. It goes out there and it flops mm, it, and it mm. doesn't perform well. It's easy for me to be like, okay, tomorrow we're going to do this instead. Right. But with a product or a service or something that takes a little bit more time, there's so much risk involved that you don't want to do it again. When you say risk, you mean like financial risk or Finan opportunity cost, like time risk? I feel like the risk in, in, in every department, so financial risk. So in all, if something flops, you want to do it again, that's going to be more money or right. um, that goes. you have to go back to the drawing board and back to R&D to figure mm. out what step in the process we can improve. And it's, no, no, like, no, I, I yeah, that's what I, I mean, yeah, no, I think... <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what else I was going with. Think, I, think, I think that's an interesting conversation to talk about the risk because yeah. I think that the deal that influencers and creators have with brands is a bum deal, right? Mm. And sorry, brands, but it's like, you know, an influencer builds this community, a creator builds this community, and then an influencer comes along, a brand comes along and has to effectively leverage that influencer community. They'll pay for a post. Like, I don't care how much it is. Like, if it's 100 bucks or 10 grand for mm. a post, you, if the brand does a good job, they are effectively buying access to this community that, you know, the creator has crafted. Mm. And if they do a good job, they get the long tail of value realized from that. You know, they will convert that audience into sales. And if they do a good job, repeat sales. And then they've got that, that is a part that that person is now a part of their community mm. and they can continue to communicate and continue to market. And then the, the influencer, the creator is just like, okay, I have that transaction is over and I've got my money, but I don't have like, there's no way to continue to realize value. They might hire you again, but it's a one-off transaction and that brand continues to reap that value. And mm. it's not a good deal for influencers. Cause you have like, like creators have this, uh, this, this brand equity that they've built and it, they won't be popular forever. Mm -hmm. And you've got a moment really oh, like a moment. A small window. Yeah, 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 a moment to, 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 to transfer that 
that community equity into a brand that can live beyond, you know, the success of the creator. Mm. Um, and so like we say, yeah, okay, it's a risk to do product, but what's the bigger risk? Is the bigger risk to get to the end of a 10 year, you know, public career as a creator and all of a sudden you, yeah, you, you don't have any money left because of the life. So it's like the same, it's the plight of the professional athlete. It's mm. like your, yeah, your candle burns bright, but it burns bright for 10 or 15 years. Yeah. And then what you're like a commentator or, you know, when X. like no shade on the athletes out there i'm sure you all figure it out but um you know it's like i think it's like yeah creators they i i i would see the risk the other way i think that it's daunting because maybe you've never done it before but if you can solve those problems actually you know i look at it as a no-brainer it's like okay yeah you mm. really should be like i don't care what it is like it doesn't have to be physical product it can be you know anything you're yeah. doing can be like you know workout videos or you know I don't know. There's any as a creator, it, it runs deep. Like it's not just you've built this for so long that you have that expertise, whether you know it or not, that you can like that can evolve into whatever you want it to be. So right. um, I always say that like as I built my brand, as I built my Rowie Singh brand, I feel like I can inject that into whatever I do. Mm. So if I did a brand of like homewares, mm. it'll be very within my style and it would make sense because I can carry that creator, that creativity, that brand that I've built and I can sort of put it wherever I'm passionate, Right. Um, whether it's skincare, like wh whatever it is. And I think that is, again, the creator's advantage right. and the whole economy of it all is that we have built this brand that is so unique to us, so unique to Rowie that I can take it somewhere and it will be successful because people have bought into that already. Right, right. And also yeah. like risk is relative. Like when you started creating, you know, your, your content. That's a risk, everything. And it would have felt like a risk, yeah. right? You're like, oh my God, I've got to put this out into the world. Like, what is everyone going to think? Yeah. Like, I don't know how self-conscious you were about it. I'd be hugely terrified. I got, it. I got like random when I first started, because it was just a strange thing to do to post people were posting food on Instagram mm. and I, and I was at home like posting selfies, but like having fun with it. And I got all these like anonymous messages when Tumblr was a thing mm. of people just being like, why are you posting pictures of yourself? Like, do you even have any friends? And it was like people, it was new. To, literally, it was it was a bit jarring, but it was new to people. And right. it was also new to me. But I trusted that I knew this was going to go. I knew where I was going to take this. And it wasn't right. just like a, a selfie on the internet. Right. Yeah. The dumpster fire that I've just, it's been on my mind is, you know, Daniel Bernstein. Daniel, Daniel Bernstein of Who, What, Where. She's like an right. influencer blogger yes. who started like she started like a – it was like a site, right? Like she had this like fashion site where she would blog and she was just like one of the first influencers, mm. I'd say. And then she started her own brand um, and she had a massive following. She still has a massive following. And she just started to rip off smaller creators and just right. a series of unfortunate events like in the influencer sphere. And then she just lost her credibility because she would just do it over and over and over again. And her end goal, her like you could just see that her goal was just like money making and mm. she kind of lost sight of like why she was doing it. And then the reason why I brought it up is because she recently <laughs> – she recently just joined TikTok and, and it was so funny because she's like... I love how much this tickles you, by the way. <laughs> like the, the, she, she, she joins TikTok and then she creates this TikTok. She's like, hi, my name's Danielle and I started this fashion brand and she just missed the mark and all the comments are like, no, honey, no. Like you, we know you've ripped off brands. Like this, we're not here. Like don't come to this space. Mm -mm -mm. Um, and I just find it really interesting because she just, I think 
classic example of someone who refuses to listen and is kind of like blocked blocked out like I guess like blocked out everything but like her goal of like making money and producing more 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 mm-hmm. so I it's yeah it's very interesting to me to see her kind of just still pushing forward but just not listening really right to audience at yeah all. I mean I think that is an interesting yeah I've, I've like seen that a little bit you sent me something the other day yeah i, and I, I read literally the com- just sent you the tiktok yes. and, I was and like- i read the comments and i was just like oh like like it was wow. just like no no yeah. yes like not here Don't and, and i here. think it's like it's important to note that it's okay to fuck up yeah 100 percent. but you need to like this is a, this is i think a part of maintaining integrity within your community like you, you're almost lucky. Like a brand can't really fuck up because mm. you have that expectation of a brand that, okay, you do have lines of approvals to go through. You do, you know, you you should never do that. But if it's a person, it's like yeah, but people make mistakes and community, uh, like creator-led communities. The creators probably have a little bit more tolerance from the community to make a mistake as long as you make the mistake with integrity right yeah and like recognize that mistake people that's what that's all people want have you blown it once before oh 100 percent, many times well not like on a massive scale but i've said something that probably was controversial or didn't sit well with a particular Mm -hmm. community um was offensive and that was just checking myself because Mm. i wouldn't have known if someone didn't pull me up on it right and sometimes it's a little bit um sometimes people just want to attack you for the sake of attacking you so you have to kind of use your own sort of judgment as to whether this is something that you have done or people are just reacting right um and you, you know you know your audience so you know whether it's something that you need to like check yourself on and there's many times where i've been like okay maybe i shouldn't have said that um maybe i didn't think about this community in particular but every single time like i need to recognize that and i need and i will go public and be like that was my bad mm. but i've learned and i think that's important but people like Thank you for owning up to it. Right. Yeah. I try to. Yeah. I try to not let my ego get the better of me. Sometimes I'm like, well, you're wrong. <laughs> you're just wrong. And so it's it's difficult and I understand why it is difficult because you're still trying to maintain your authority yeah. as a creator. Yeah, yo, wait a minute. I'm going to let you finish. But it's a creator's world. It's one of the best podcasts of all time. Oh, all time. Review. Drop a like and subscribe. I can't